You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 19 of season three of Heart and Soul. I am joined today by Megan Smalley. Did I say your last name right? That's right. Okay. Megan Smalley, who um, just wrote and released a book called Give Grace about her journey with infertility, um, what it looks like as a woman to accept the grace that God so freely gives and also how we deal with, um, hardships and grief and, um, struggles along the way, especially during seasons of waiting. So I'm, uh, really excited to have you on Megan because this last year has been a season (laughs) for everyone, right? I mean, goodness. Yeah. I am excited to be here. I, um, was thrilled because I'm just going to share a little bit about what I've been through and then to hopefully like bring some sort of like deeper connection between us as you share your story so that you realize like, Oh, this is how, you know, this is what this person's been through. Right. But, um, in November of 2019, we started trying to get pregnant and, um, we ended up getting pregnant in, um, February, right? Like right after it didn't take long and we were thrilled. And then, um, uh, eight weeks after that we miscarried mm. and then, um, so that was in April when we miscarried the first time. And then this, we got pregnant again, um, really quickly and, um, kind of like, kind of by accident. Like we were told to like, wait a couple months and right. I just kind of got, we were like, Oh, cool. <laughs> this is right. God's timing, I guess. And then we miscarried again at 11 weeks with that baby, um, in July. And, um, I like, I've shared this on the podcast before, but yeah. I, um, never experienced that type of grief or that type of like, waiting necessarily, Mm -hmm. especially in a world like we're in today where social media makes you think that you're behind or that you're, uh, I don't know that you're, it's weird because social media can make you feel like alone and not alone at the same time. Yes. (laughs) Like it's very, it's, but just that your life is not measuring up in whatever way insert category. Yes. It it could be anything. I mean, we talk Mm -hmm. a lot about body image on here. There's so much of that comparison on social media business, uh, what business you're running, if you're married or not. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're pregnant now and I'm thrilled. It's, um, it's really exciting. Um, and I realized like our stories with, um, trying to get pregnant are so different, but what I found comfort in along the way was sharing, about my miscarriages on social media, which isn't for everyone. But as I, as I shared, I felt that actually I saw that I got a lot of like me too responses, Mm -hmm. which made me feel less alone. And also it, I think it kind of normalized something that I was feeling so much shame towards myself for, like Mm -hmm. I was feeling responsible for, and it made it, um, it made it just more abundantly clear that 
this is not your fault. And, totally. <laughs> and so yes. many women go through this. And it was just something that as I kept sharing and learning, um, other people's stories, I found like, I really want this to be talked about more. And so yeah. that's why I was really thrilled, um, to set this conversation up with you because you you're talking about it. Um, yeah. and I think that that's so cool and so freeing for a lot of women. So I'm going to drop the mic now. I'm going to let you, <laughs> like, Hello. Well, I think what's cool is like to share, I mean, something that we chose to do, which is different than most is, I mean, you, you do see it talked about more, but now it's talked about a lot from the perspective of the other side, like, I, people are hesitant to share in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. Like we did a fundraising campaign to pay for IVF again. And in order to do that, you have to share what you're walking through. And so that was hard because this was six years ago when people really weren't talking about it. And I was really nervous, especially in the Christian space. And this, this whole conversation is coming up again about IVF and um, what is right and what is wrong and what does the Bible say about it? And I was really nervous to put it out there and just fearful of what people would say and criticism we would get, but we really like, it was just really cool to, to release our story into the world and see what God did with it. And, um, the amount of prayers we got from people were just incredible. Like I truly believe my boys are here because of the prayers of so many people. And, it's been fun too to like then get to share my kids with the world because so many people prayed them here and yeah. um, they feel so connected. Like strangers on the internet love my family and my boys because they helped us fight in prayer for their lives. And that's really cool. So yeah, I think it's so cool to, to hear people talk about it because it normalizes it. It, like you said, you know, people raising their hand and saying me too, like validation. That is something that I learned in my journey is like validating your pain is so powerful. Like yeah. somebody saying, I hear you. And that is so hard. Like not trying to fix it, not trying to give you all the right answers or anything, just like listening and saying, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, that is hard. I mean, that is a gift. Validation truly makes you feel heard and seen and understood more yeah. than a lot of things. So for, for sure. And I think that what this taught me, what it's taught me a lot is about grief and how not only does everyone grieve differently, but like how you, like what you need during your types of grieving. Cause you know, I've lost people. I've lost, you know, cousins, grandparents, people in my family, but when it's like something that's inside you, it's just like a different type of grief. Totally. And I like what you said, because what I need, and I think what a lot of people need, I think even scripture says like, just, um, to be near, like in Job, when he says like, he just wants his friends to just be there and not tell him how to fix things. <laughs> yes. Like I, I think what it, um, taught me is like, I need someone to just be like, that sucks, dude. Like yes. whatever you need, I'm with you. And I'm not going to try and push some sort of like everything happens for a reason or, yes. you know, any like cliche around it. Like it just is what it is. And what it is, is sucky. <laughs> yes, I agree. I mean, I learned through the journey because I had so many, so many people say all the wrong things and things that made me feel frustrated. And I tried to put words to why I felt that way. And that was it. Like, 
just all I want you to say is that I'm sorry. And this Mm -hmm. is so hard and I cannot imagine what you're walking through. I'm not, I don't want you to fix it. You can't fix it. Yeah. And I agree. Like grief is such a hard thing. I talk about it a lot in my book and it's like, you can't run from grief because if you do, I mean, I know for me, like I'm a classic avoider. <laughs> like I want to fill my life with busy and not deal with the hard stuff. Um, me too. <laughs> I think just like women, that's our natural tendency. And cause it's hard and I don't, I don't want to cry. I don't have time to cry today. And so like, but I've learned that grief will rear its ugly head in other ways. If I don't deal with it, like, you know, those moments where like somebody random usually pushes the wrong button at the wrong time and you haven't dealt with your stuff and you just unleash this monster on (laughs) them and they're like whoa where did that come from and you're like oh yeah that's like all my issues that I have dealt with (laughs) coming out on you random stranger (laughs) it's been buried a while so sorry you're like you get the front of it Yes. And so it's just like, it, it happened a lot in my, my time walking through infertility, but I I learned through that, like, I got to deal with my stuff and I can't stuff it because it doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not there, but it's still there (laughs) for sure. Well, why don't you, if, if you're comfortable with it, um, why don't you share with our listeners your journey with infertility and all the bumps yeah. and happies and crappies along the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's all of that. Um, so we started trying about two years after we were married and about six months in, like my parents are fer- fertile myrtle, never thought we would have issues. Um, and we'd been trying six months and it just wasn't happening. And I was like, I know something's wrong. Um, I just knew in my heart and there wasn't like an explanation for it. And so we went and got, did all the testing and, um, found out that IVF would be our only option to have biological kids. And it was like a sucker punch to the gut. I mean, IVF is most couples like last resort. It is expensive. I mean, the first time around we paid 15 grand out of pocket, no insurance coverage. It is all consuming emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. I mean, it just sucks the life out of you in every capacity. And so to be told at 27, this is your only option to have kids. It's like, what? Like, I, I just did not (laughs) like, it was, you know, those moments in your life, whatever it is for you, like you find yourself at this moment where you wake up and think this has to be a dream. Like, this is not the plan I had for my life. And just kind of like questioning, how is, how is this me? Like, how did I get here? And so we decided to move forward with it, paid our 15 grand and did all the medicine, all the shots, all the appointments and got three embryos. And after my egg retrieval, they told me that my eggs were fragile. Um, we get, they only got 10 eggs out the first time, um, told me they were fragile, only three fertilized. So we had three embryos and on day three, if you're not familiar with the IVF process, like you want a day five embryo, that's the goal. It's called a blastocyst. It's just like a fully formed embryo mm-hmm. well, on day three. They told us, Hey, you need to come in today for your transfer because your embryos are really weak and we think they will be better in your body than in the dish. And, Um, so we did, and obviously we're concerned because we knew that wasn't a good sign. We transferred three and two weeks later got the call that I wasn't pregnant. And Mm -hmm. in that same phone call, the doctor told me that 
I, he wanted me to come back in and do IVF again immediately and use donor eggs. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So not your eggs. Not my eggs. Like telling me I had an egg problem and the, the way to fix this is donor eggs. And I mean, I was like, I, I couldn't even like see straight because I was dealing with the fact that we just basically flushed $15,000 down the toilet. And then I like, what? I can't have biological kids. I mean, it was just like one of the worst moments of my life. Yeah. Um, and thankfully we were like, thank you, but no, thank you. We're going to push pause. I mean, naturally we didn't have the money to try again. So that was like a good break for us. Like, okay, we're going to push pause on this. And during the net, like it really took me about a year to put the pieces of my heart back together. And I think this is something that I, I talk about a lot on social media is like grieving intangible losses. I had a friend get pregnant naturally at the same exact time I lost, um, my babies. And a lot of people didn't understand why, like, I was so sad because I never got a positive pregnancy test Mm. and it's like grieving something that you can't put your finger on. And, um, so I, I felt like I had to explain myself, like why I was feeling the way that I felt and justify it. And I just felt so misunderstood. We ended Mm. up leaving a Sunday school class over it because I just didn't feel loved and supported. And, like free to feel what I was feeling. I felt like I had to explain myself and that it like, I needed to just get over it. And, and like, I, you hear this a lot in the infertility world, like you should just be happy for them. Whoever insert, whoever it is that's Mm. pregnant and you're not, they make people make it about something that it's not. And it wasn't that she was pregnant and I was not, it was that her, I was happy for her, but her joy was a reminder of my brokenness. Yeah my broken journey. And I learned through the process, like grief and joy can coexist. I can feel sad for me and, and happy for you. And I may not show it how all your other friends are showing their joy and that's okay. And if it's not okay for you, then that's on you. It's not on me. Like the Bible does not define what joy has to look like outwardly. And if I can't jump up and down and do toe touches and cartwheels for you, like I'm in a season of grief and that is real and it is hard. And, and thankfully you have no clue what it's like to be me. And I, all I'm asking for is the space and the freedom to show up however I can and for that to be enough. And it wasn't enough in this friendship. And so unfortunately, like it, we just kind of had to grow apart and, Um, but yeah, that year was really hard. I put a lot, I I had to do a lot of hard work to put the pieces of my heart back together. And, um, then we, uh, my best friend, Coral Dean, she's the creative director at Scarlet and Gold, which is the business that I own. And, um, she put together, reached out and was like, I want to help, um, because I'm a coach's wife and a small business owner and 15 grand is a lot of money. And, So she was like, I want to put together a fundraising campaign to pay for this again, if that's like the only thing that's holding y'all back. And I was like, at this point, I feel like I could be ready if we had the money. And so we did. It was called the Give Grace campaign. And my team designed and paid for the products and we sold them on our site. And I told my story for the first time. And um, it was, it took about a year to raise the money and, um, but it was really cool. Like just what God did in my heart in that season of 
waiting, like I think in this space and really for a lot of things, like we can have this like misguided view of waiting. Like God is some magic genie that Mm. he's just gonna give us our wishes, whatever we want. And like, we can just sit here and he's going to drop a baby in our lap, or he's going to drop a career in our lap or whatever. I mean, I, there is a clear call in scripture to wait on God, but at the same time, like, I think we can be proactive in that time of waiting and he gives us free will. He gives us a mind to think and a physical body to take action on those things that we desire. And so that's what we did. We were waiting and praying, but we also, and believing that if God wanted to do this, like naturally he could. Um, and also while we were fundraising to go through IVF again and being proactive and, So fast forward two years later, um, we went through, we went to CCRM in Colorado. It is like a world renowned clinic. Dr. Schoolcraft is the, one of the best of the best endocrinologists and, um, or reproductive endocrinologists and, um, went through IVF again. It paid, um, double the amount that we paid the first time. It keeps going up. It, it, It is insane. And we, we have net had zero insurance coverage, but, um, in one round of IVF, we got 30 eggs out, 20 of them were mature. So this is triple what we got the first time. And I was two years older, Wow. Um, had 12 fertilized, got six embryos that were days five and day six. Um, we have transferred four so far and we have three beautiful boys from one round of IVF. So I didn't have bad eggs. Yeah. That for real. Yeah. Your eggs are good. (laughs) So it's, that's my, like, I'm on a mission since all, like everything has happened with my journey to just educate women in this space on what, like how to advocate for themselves and how to like know about this process. Cause I went in blind the first time and I didn't know any of these things. And I would have saved myself a lot of heartache and time and money. And, um, so yeah, that is like the crazy ride. And now I'm like in the thick of motherhood and, um, it brings its own challenges and I'm running a business and wrote a book and trying to balance it all. And it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes when you go through a struggle to get whatever the thing is that you're praying for, then you get it. And you're like, wow, all my like hopes and dreams were like, I think it just made me realize whatever that is that we're hoping and praying for cannot fill that void in our heart that only God can. So we put a lot of emphasis on that thing sometimes that we desire thinking it's going to fill us up and it's not. I mean, my kids, I love them so much, but they will never fill the hole in my heart that only God can fill. Yeah. I'm writing down notes because there are so many things that you just talked about (laughs) that I want to circle back. And I recently just started actually taking notes while people were talking because I would have this idea in my head, like go back to that. And then I would totally forget. And I'd be like, I really wanted to ask them. So the first thing I want to ask, or I wanted to circle back to is how you, um, shared your story about your friend who, um, was pregnant while you had just lost your, your two babies. Yeah. And, um, 
I can, I can relate to that. And I think a lot of people listening can relate to that, even if it's not to do with pregnancy, just the idea of two things coexisting at the same time, grief and joy and, and how you like the Bible also says like protect and guard your heart. And so if guarding your heart in a season of grief means setting boundaries for your heart and for your time and for yourself while someone else is having a really sweet season that you so deeply desire. I don't think that that makes you a bad friend. No, no. in fact, it makes you a wise friend because it means that you can protect your heart enough to be able to love that person well in this season and the next. Um, and I, I just have really like, that's been something that you basically put words to something that I've been trying to process for like the last year and a half is I really struggled with that. Like, how do I celebrate someone while also desiring so badly what they have and not being able to like relate on that level? Yeah. I talk about this a lot on my podcast. I it's called the infertility sisterhood podcast, but that was like such a huge revelation for me. And I wish that I had realized it sooner that like these two things can coexist and it's not that I'm not happy for her. I am so happy for her and people try to make it about, she has what you don't. And it's not about that. It's like my body was created to do this thing called Mm -hmm. making babies and it's not happening. And it's not the result of anything that I did. We live in a fallen world and I, I want my body to work how it was created to work and it's not. And her joy is just simply a reminder of my brokenness and the grief in my story and the grief in my journey. And it's not that I want her to be going through this. Like I would never, no, absolutely not. Yeah. And anybody it's like, I am so thankful for my friends that have easy journeys to motherhood because it, it honestly, like now that I have walked through this, I'm like, how does anyone get pregnant on their own? Like good grief. And all the things that like have to happen. And so I'm like, wow, praise God. Like what a miracle because it happened on their own. And so, I mean, it, I just think some people it's, it's a very misunderstood, um, thing. And so my, my heart is now that I am a mom and I have then had to have this conversation of like, I'm pregnant with somebody who's walking through infertility. I have become passionate about like, like bridging the gap because there I've realized there is a gap. Like moms don't know how to love people going through infertility and infertility people going through infertility sometimes feel like rubbed the wrong way. And like, they don't fit in the mom club Mm -hmm. because they want to be there, but they're like physically not holding a baby in their arms, but in their heart, they feel like they're there. And so like, how can I bridge that gap? How can I help this, this side, love this side and help this one understand the other side. And so a lot of the resources that I put out and the content I put out on social media is to try to bridge that gap. Like one of my most downloaded resources is how to tell a friend going through infertility that you're pregnant, because I learned through the process, like there are many ways to do the, this and have this conversation. And most of them are the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, but here are some things that you can do to love your friend and do this well. And this conversation can go well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because we all, we are called in scripture to care for each other's hearts and, um, love one another even before ourselves and put each other first. And so I'm like, okay, how do we do that in this space? So yeah, for sure. I, I kind of also want to touch back on something you yeah. said about how like they, I feel like growing up, even like watching the, the movie Mean Girls, you know how they're like, don't have sex because you will get pregnant. Yes. <laughs> and like, I feel like growing up, you hear all these things about how like easy it is to get pregnant. Right. Um, but it, but what our journey has taught, has taught us is like truly how big of a miracle pregnancy is. Yes. I mean, humans are a miracle in general, but like just the act of getting pregnant is, is a miracle. And it's really opened our eyes to like different or like small ways in, um, like our daily life that miracles exist and that Mm -hmm. we kind of used to, you know, skim over or skip over, not just thinking it was so normal when it's such a gift. And so, um, I love that you, you brought that up because it really is a lot harder than, um, the media, especially (laughs) portrayed as a kid. Totally. Totally. And I think it, to anybody who has walked a hard road, to motherhood or, or whatever that thing is. Like if you've walked a hard road to get the thing that you desire, it makes you appreciate that thing so much more. Like I am a different mother because of the road that I walked. Mm -hmm. And I, it has, I mean, I had twins the first time around and there was nothing easy about two at one time. And (laughs) I cannot imagine like, Oh my goodness. Like it was the hardest year of my husband and I's marriage. I mean, we walked through hell to get here and then we had two at one time and one really hard baby. And it, it was, that was harder than our infertility days, uh, for sure. Um, it, it was like, another level of exhaustion, but what all that to say, like my gratitude for these gifts that I never thought we would get help me power through those really hard days and help give me perspective. Yeah. I actually just had a conversation with one of my good friends who went through IVF for all three of her children, very similar to you, except it was flip-flop. She had one and then she had twins. Um, and she has twins now they're, they just turned a year. So, um, and she was talking about the guilt that she would feel sometimes not enjoying like a day with these miracles, <laughs> you know, totally. Like, I mean, there is tired. a guilt on the other side. Like, I think it, you think, okay, I fought like hell to get here. Mm-hmm. Why is this not easy? And it's not. And so I think that is a struggle that everyone who has walked, the road of infertility goes through is like being able to say this is hard because yeah. motherhood is hard. Yeah. It regardless of how you get there, being a mom is hard work. It is. It is so hard. And, and so I, but I think what gives you the grace in the, in the hard is the struggle. Like, yeah. Not that you can't appreciate and love your, I'm not saying you can't love and appreciate your kids if you didn't struggle at all, but it just gives you a deeper gratitude um, because you didn't think that you would get this. And so I do like, I, 
always say like you, you need to say this is hard because it is like, just because you struggled to get here does not mean that you can't say this is hard. Right. And ask for help. Something else that you said that I wrote down is about God. Um, this is something I'm really passionate about actually (laughs) about (laughs) even before, you know, this pregnancy journey is God not being like a genie in a bottle and how you don't just, I mean, sometimes you just pray and something happens, but often what God does through our prayers and through us asking is he gives us resources and he gives us community to use, to like help get us to the next place. Um, and I love that you said that, like, I love that you had to get to a point where you had to receive help from your community, which is a resource that God gave you. Yes. Like you had to say, okay, fine. Like I can't start, I can't do this alone. Yeah. We can't do anything alone. And we were created for community. And so for you to be like, yeah, let's do this fundraiser. That's a very humbling spot to be in, but it teaches you so much when you finally just like with open hands are like, okay, help me. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, it. I wouldn't be sitting here. I mean, what God has done with our story is truly unbelievable. Like this, the fact that I have a book based on my story, like this book deal got talk about God dropping things in, in your lap. He did drop that in my lap. Like I did not seek this out. I mean, I literally woke up one day and had an email in my inbox from Harper Collins about what? writing a That's book. Like and a I was like, deal. I mean, I literally, I thought they sent it to the wrong person. I was like, what? <laughs> so, but yeah, like it didn't come all the book deal came from me releasing this story and saying, I cannot do this on my own and letting people in and just like totally surrendering our story to the Lord. And, and I'm in that space now all over again. of like, I'm launching a book in one of the busiest seasons of my life. I'm running a business and we're making a huge business shift and it is consuming my time. I'm a mother to three, um, three and under, uh, three and a half year old twins and then a six month old. And my husband works a lot. He's a coach and he coaches three sports and works an hour away. And, I wish like I look, it's so easy to look on Instagram and all these other people have gone before me and launched a book and like are doing all the things and like have, you know, childcare resources for childcare and all the things like I don't have family nearby and um, childcare is expensive. (laughs) And it's also really important for me to like be present with my kids too. And just balance it all. Like being a wife and a mom comes first for me and I I really have, and I'm not saying it doesn't for other people, but I've just seen like them be in a different season of life and launch a book without like having young, young kids. And, um, and and I, I just am like, Oh gosh, like I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I I wish I like, if I only could do this, then I would sell more books. And I've just had to surrender the whole process. Like God, you know, who is supposed to read these words and like you brought this to me. And I said yes out of obedience, mm-hmm. not because I had the time to write a book when I had 18-month-old twins. And so, like, I'm just trusting that you will see it through. Yes. And, yeah. like, it's hard. It, surrender at, at any point in your life is hard. It's something I really struggle with. But it's a daily act. Yeah. <laughs> and most it's, it's interesting. Cause when you look at scripture, like most people who are called to something that God called them to were completely like felt completely inadequate and not ready. Yes. And so that's like, 
really encouraging if we just like read scripture to see like, I mean, Moses was like any, literally anyone else. Send anyone <laughs> like, else. Anyone. That's how I felt. <laughs> yeah. Literally when that email, I was like, wait, me? Like, God, this is a joke, right? And and like in two weeks, I got asked to do a mother, like a Mother's Day speaking event in one of the largest churches in the country, Fellowship Church. Yeah, um, I know that so, church. Yeah, so you can watch it online. But I'm like another one of those moments. Like, I feel so unequipped. Like yeah. me? What? I, I think you guys are wrong, girl. <laughs> but it's just like surrendering. And like, I'm like, okay, I just take the next step, take the next step out of obedience, not because I can see the path ahead clearly, but like, because I trust God and I believe what he says is true. And so I'm going to take the step. Like, I don't know. I don't feel equipped at all, but okay, God, I, like, um, I'm going for it. All right, let's do it. <laughs> um, like we, we talk about shameless living all the time. And that's why I think shameless living on social media is so important too, because like, if, if you were to see that an author, which I'm sure there's, there's people out there, but like an author who didn't think she would be an author, if you were to hear or see her sharing, like, ah, what am I doing in that season of writing a book? It would have made you feel less alone. Yes. But instead, like most of the things you're seeing is like, look at me, I woke up like this, you know? I'm yes, like, I'm, like, I'm killing it, yeah. <laughs> so that's why like, oh, be, everyone just be shameless. Like tell yeah. where you're actually at. It yeah. gives so much freedom to other people. Yes, I agree. Totally. And I think that I learned a lot about that, just sharing in the thick of my infertility journey. Like I think because people could relate to the fact that I didn't have my happy ending and I was showing up like just unsure of all the things and what, what the right step was. And I mean, even still, like I've shared publicly just about my husband and I wrestling over the fact that we have two embryos left and we don't know what the right step is. And we're just praying through it and seeking wise counsel and, and also like feeling confident that we don't have to make this decision today in the thick of the diaper years. So, (laughs) um, it's like, okay, that, that decision can wait. Like, and so, um, anyways, yeah, it's, I think it's so important to just like sh- be relatable and show up. People can't relate to perfect. They might be inspired by polished and put together, but they can't relate to it because yeah. if you pull back the curtain on all of our lives, it's not perfect. Amen. Amen. The last thing that I wanted to circle back on that you said was, um, learning to advocate for yourself as a woman. Um, And this goes, this goes for trying to get pregnant and beyond. I mean, there's so many different scenarios in a woman's life where typically we retreat backwards and, and don't advocate for what we actually need and, and desire. Um, I learned that during this third pregnancy, I was just like, I am not going to have a doctor that treats me like a number again. And I, finally like stepped into like asking for what I need in that season. And it was so 
scary, but also like liberating to be like, oh, you can, you can ask for what you need. And like, so whoever is like ready and willing and is supposed to give it to you will. Yes. Um, and I think that's so important. Like if you could expand a little bit more on that, like what, how, how advocating for yourself as a woman is difficult and how it also just doing it is so liberating, you know? Yeah. I think, I think different personalities struggle with this differently. Like I do watch some people, some women do this really well. And I think they're just more wired that way, but like I'm not. And I, the first time around, I had this mentality of like, I'm just going to trust my doctor. And I didn't do the research. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't. And I think it starts with confidence. Like I didn't have the confidence to advocate for myself because I didn't know. I didn't have the information. I didn't know what was right. I didn't know what it should be. Like I was going in blind. And I think it is so important to have the information, to get the information on the front end. And then that information is like power. It gives you confidence to then advocate for yourself. So I think we can't go in and ask for what we want if we don't know what we want and why Mm. we want it. So I think it does require work on the front end to like know who we are, what we believe, what we stand for, what is it that we desire and what are we willing to do to get there Mm. and, and then go after it. I think knowing those things gives you the confidence to go after it. Um, but I think, I think when we struggle advocating for ourselves, it's because we there in in some way, if we uncover the layers underneath, we would find a lack of confidence somewhere. Yeah. Uh, And may, or, or fear, you know, I think that paralyzes us sometimes too. Like we're fear or scared of rejection or, um, that we're going to be made to look stupid or, um, that they are going to kick us out of their practice or whatever, like their fear holds us back too. And so figuring out like, what, what are you trying to advocate for and what is holding you back from Mm -hmm. using your voice and standing up for yourself? Um, and then like putting a plan in place to attack that thing. So you can step forward boldly and confidently to be, I mean, cause you, I've heard this saying over and over, like you are your best advocate. Like yeah. no one is going to advocate for you. Like you will. And it's the same thing in motherhood. Like no one's going to advocate for your kids. Like you will. And yeah. so yeah, I think, I think knowledge is power and that gives us confidence to take that step more boldly. I think that's huge. What you said, like do your research too. you know, know what to ask for and what you need to ask for before, um, falling by the wayside, like know exactly what you're getting yourself into. And that takes you, you need to put the work in, you know, you can't just idly sit back and hope that someone gives you what you think you need when you don't even know what it is. Um, okay. So I want to give you a chance. We like 40 minutes has gone by and what we've just been like, (laughs) this is awesome. I want to give you a chance though, to tell our listeners about your two businesses or Scarlet and gold, and then your new book, give grace. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So Scarlet and gold, we help women overcome the hard stuff in life, big and small. So we have an overcome journal. That is a practical tool for you to roll up your sleeves and, um, work through this kind of stuff. 
And we have lots of other things to, to support that mission and encourage your heart in the overcoming process. And then, um, I have my book give grace and it is going to show you how to embrace the beauty of life's brokenness and just really lean into what you believe, why you believe those things, and then how you stand on that and, and give grace to yourself and to others in the hard stuff. Mm. Um, So yeah. And then for anybody walking through infertility, I have a ministry called the infertility sisterhood and that loving on women on this road is what my heart beats for. And we have lots of things coming in that space in this year. Um, we have a podcast, we have a free, um, online community. Um, and it's just a really awesome place for anybody who is walking that road or has walked that road to like pour back in, to the community and just yeah. love and pray, pray for each other and love on each other. So yeah, those, that's where you can find me. Wow. That's awesome. I love that. I, I did take a look at, um, Scarlet and gold and there's some really cute stuff on there. Thank you. Yes. I have an amazing team. And I I'm assuming that if people want to purchase your book, it's on Amazon or yes, what's it's that? anywhere. I mean, anywhere books are sold, you okay. can find it. So Perfect. Yeah. Um, okay. We have four questions that we ask every single guest. Okay. Um, and I'm going to ask you those right now before we wrap up. Is that cool? Awesome. Yep. Okay. So, um, the first question is what is something that you're really obsessed with right now? It could be a TV show, a podcast, a food product. Um, I just joined this group called called creatives and, it is by Allie Worthington. Um, so if you're like a creative entrepreneur, they have a podcast and um, all the things, but it's a, it's a group online. It's a paid membership, but I, it has been so encouraging for me because I am a creative entrepreneur and it's hard to like, feel like people get my life sometimes, you know, like people with normal jobs. And so I really love like that. So if you are trying to start a business or write a book, or I get a lot of people reaching out to me now, like, how do you, how do you write a book? And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I, my, my story is different from other people, but they have a lot of resources for, um, women who want to do that. So if you are in the creative space, I think that is a great resource. It's called called creatives. Yes. And it's all like Christian based. It's by Allie Worthington and Lisa Whittle. They're two authors and believers and, um, it's really awesome. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. That's really cool. Um, okay. Our second question is what is something that you're looking forward to in 2021? I think everyone can relate to this, but just like normal again, I, as normal as we can ever be post COVID, but I'm really looking forward. I live in Auburn, Alabama and football season was weird last year. And I'm really looking forward to like a normal fall and, um, things just like looking normal again. My husband's a coach and like basketball games were weird and, um, a lot of cancellations. And so I think I just like crave normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm from Texas, so I understand the love of football. And yes. also my sister-in-law went to Auburn. Oh, so we've got a connection there. Yes. Um, okay. Our third question is what is something that you love about yourself? I think that I am learning what my gifts are. I'm 34 years old and I'm like really stepping into this now, but 
I, I look at, at people like Coral, who's my best friend and our creative director at Scarlet and Gold, and it's very easy for her to describe what she does, like in one sentence, like I'm a graphic designer, I, you know, this or that. And I, I've always felt creative, but never could really put the words to it. And I think what I've realized in the last you know year is like one of my gifts is putting words to how people feel. Like you said, like I, I've never been able to, to really put my finger on what I was feeling and verbalize that. And I, I, for whatever reason, God has given me a gift to be able to like put words to the things that I'm feeling. And I, I love that. I, yeah. I love that because I can then be a voice for other people and, um, help them put words to how they feel, because I think that's empowering. Yes. That is a cool gift too, to have. I mean, think about how you use that daily and not only your business, but your family. Like if your boys come to you and they're like, I don't know why I feel hurt by this. And you can kind of process that with them and help them have some clarity. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how I hope I can use it in my family's life is like, okay, how can we put words to this and, and then advocate for ourselves accordingly. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. Our last question is if you could leave our listeners who are primarily women, I would say all women, maybe one man out there. I don't know. Um, with one little piece of truth today, what would that be? Like one little nugget of wisdom to end on? I would just say you are not alone and whatever you are walking through, like your life may look differently than you envisioned it would, but God is writing an incredible story for your life. So hang on, Mm. don't give up fighting and just keep taking that next right step. And one day you're going to look up and the fog will have lifted and you will be able to look back and say, this is why I walked through this. Yeah. Wow. Don't give up. That's good. I love that. I want a t-shirt that just says, hang on <laughs> I know, <laughs> or tattoo it on my body or something. I know. I know. Um, well, that's so, I mean, this is such a good conversation, really freeing for me, especially. And I know it will be for our listeners as well. Um, I'm going to link your Instagram and your business and your book, um, in the show notes. So Perfect. listeners, if you want to find that, you can find that there, but why don't you go ahead and just say your Instagram? Cause I feel like that's the easiest way to follow yes. people. So at Megan Smalley is probably the best one to find. And you can find all the other pages from there. So linked okay. in my bio is Scarlet and Gold and then Fertility Sisterhood and all the things. So perfect. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for sitting down and talking with um, me and all of our listeners. And I hope that you have a great week. You too. This is awesome. And listeners, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.